I absolutely love this time of year. Um, thinking about the snow starting to melt, and I'm thinking about my favorite bodies of moving water, specifically Minnesota streams and tributaries moving quickly and the fish within and I am stringing up fly rods with the shirk boys and we're planning out our season it's just an exciting time of year we're starting to think about bug hatches all of that it is like turkey hunting a rite of spring or a tradition for our family and we're talking about it today um, with a guy who knows more about trout fishing than just about anyone around. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. And, you know, trout fishing is a year-round endeavor, but it seems like spring, again, for me, is my marker. And joining me today is a guy who might darn near have the nickname Mr. Trout. <laughs> Carl Hensel is everything trout all days of the year. I'm being a little bit facetious, but sort of true. Carl, how the heck are you? Uh, doing great. Great to be here, Bill. Uh, excited to talk trout and springtime, you know, looking out on the sunshine and, you know, the, uh, the hatches are coming. The hatches are coming and... You're not waiting to throw on waders and get on the water. You are a busy bee right now, as, as well as being a writer, a guide, a conservationist. Uh, right now, you are a <laughs> show proprietor of sorts, getting ready for a very big um, fly fishing and trout fishing show, the Great Waters Expo. What are you up to? Uh, we, you know, right now, since we are, you know, just a little bit over a week out uh, with the expo coming March 18th through 20th, we are really excited uh, that everything's coming together. So we're working on all those last minute uh, pieces, making sure that all of our dozens and dozens of exhibitors are ready to go, that the presentations are all queued up. You know, we'll have over 40 different presentations going on as a component of this so it's it's just really exciting uh all the work that we have going on right now so we're we're talking with everybody and just getting it all set to launch coming up here on friday the 18th you know this darn state of ours we have uh, turned the show season the sports show season into this just stew when I was a little kid, I used to look forward to one sports show a year because I could go see fishing rods. I could go see the wrestling bear, you know, all that stuff. But now, kind of loud, you look at the calendar and there's a boat show this week. There's a deer show. There's a muskie show. There's another boat show. There's a sports show. There's an all Canada. Da, 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 da. But they, they all seem to blend together a little bit, but the the fly fishing show seems to be its own thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's a little more niche than some of the others or, or what, but people so look forward to this darn show. Why is that? You know, that's a great question. People are really excited about fly fishing as a way to get out and fish and experience the outdoors. And it's something that just seems to you know, drive people's subconscious because they're 
you know, they're excited about all the different aspects of it. And, you know, the, the show is something that explores all fly fishing within the region, whether that's trout or steelhead or salmon, as well as warm water fly fishing. So we bring in a really diverse amount of people. And then we get the people that are really excited about learning about destination fly fishing, whether that's going up to Alaska and catching, you know, salmon and, you know, grayling and dolly fard and crazy stuff like that, or, you know, even going as far afield as fly fishing saltwater and going down to the Bahamas or Belize or New Orleans. So this is something that, yeah, it gets people thinking and it's a great community. The fly fishing community has always been very strongly conservation tied. And this show is run on behalf of Minnesota Trout Unlimited. So the yeah, you know, the, the funds raised help benefit conservation directly in the state. And that's a real difference uh, from a lot of different sports shows uh, that the reason and the existence behind it is really focused on doing good things for Minnesotans. And I will tell you that to a point we are sitting on a literal gem when it comes to our trout fishing. Um, I was just in Florida couple weeks back and I was sitting uh, around a bonfire under the trees drinking rum that was much more expensive than I could ever afford and I was sitting with one of the most prominent fly casters on the planet a mentor of mine a guy by the name of Flip Pallet and he's fished for everything everywhere or so you would think. And he and his wife, Denise, they were sitting, hanging out, and, or excuse me, Diane, pardon me. And we were sitting there around the fire, and they were talking about visiting Rochester, Minnesota. And I said, oh, man, one of my favorite trout towns. And Flip kind of looked at me like, what? I said, Flipper, there there are more fishable miles of trout water down there in that driftless region than all of Montana. And he had looked at me like he had seen a ghost. So I actually just mailed, I don't know, two or three days ago, Minnesota's, you know, trout map book down to him, which of note has been recently upgraded and redone. It is an unbelievable resource. So I'm hoping he is pretty tickled when he gets that and sees what sort of resources we have. And that's just the Southeast corner of our state, right? You make a home up North and you are on a entirely different resource. That's correct. You know, right now I'm sitting looking out across Lake Superior here up along Minnesota's North shore and, when I'm not wearing the uh, the hat of uh, managing and uh, organizing the Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo, I own and operate a uh, guided fly fishing business uh, based out of the Duluth Two Harbors area called Namabini, and we drag people all around the North Country, both uh, here in Northeast Minnesota and along the uh, the South Shore in Wisconsin as well, and uh, and out and around to explore the you know the literally thousands of miles of trout water that are up here in the North Country and uh, are well worth exploring on of their own right. But, you know, one of the things that makes all of this trout water, whether you're talking the Driftless in southeast Minnesota or up here along the Minnesota North Shore that makes a lot of this incredible is its accessibility to the public. Mm-hmm. 
So if you look at this compared to Western states where there are access challenges like Colorado or Wyoming, uh, here in Minnesota, we have prioritized ensuring permanent public access through fishing easements throughout Minnesota on our trout waters. And that is what makes it so realistic for people to, whether they want to come up here and go on a guided trip, be able to learn and then come back on their own to that water because it's permanently publicly accessible, or whether they want to go to the expo, attend programming, and learn from some of the best people in the field uh, about places where they can go. They're going to be able to go out and do this on their own and be able to make it a realistic experience for them and for their family and for their children. And that's really what makes fly fishing and trout fishing specifically in Minnesota such an amazing option because we may have that astonishing amount of high quality trout water, but it's also accessible and we have been working hard for well over a decade to do a huge amount of habitat improvement, which not only uh, makes that uh, as good accessible water, but it's good accessible water that fishes well as well. Yeah, I want to talk about that, right? When when I got into trout fishing way back, I was able to just go and explore and able to do it with a free conscience. Because here in the state, the water belongs to the people. So if you drive to a trout stream, again, they're all mapped. The state offers free map books where you can find all the information online. You go to a bridge. And you can go down into the water and you can start fishing and wet waders apply. You can essentially walk along that stream and fish. Other states, it doesn't work like that. I've been places where we'll be in a boat on a body of water. And if you drop an anchor, you are now trespassing. So when you talk about us having the resource, it's, it's wonderful, and the access is fantastic. And, you know, these landowners have offered up easements, um, which are also mapped out. And what that means is if there's a trout stream over there and you're on a road and it's an eased piece of property, you can park your vehicle, hop out, cross the property to get to the water. It's a wonderful resource. And I'm not, I'm not digging for secrets here, Carl, but where you are up there on the North Shore, many years ago, an old friend of mine, Leroy Teschendorf, we were out on one of the trails and he said, the places I could show you that people never get to back in the woods on the North Shore, you just have to know how to get to them and where they are. That, for me, proves the point. You have obviously explored a lot of water up there, but I bet there's a lot you've never, ever seen. Well, with over 1,200 miles of trout water in Lake St. Louis and Cook County alone, it's really hard to think that you're going to get on all the trout water. <laughs> so there's an astonishing amount of water up here. And absolutely, there's still places on my short list. Uh, that I would like to, you know, get to a, a, a bend a mile further, two miles further on a piece of water that I, you know, that I've gotten close to before. And there's places that I know that there's big trout waiting, but I might not have been there for a few years because it is hard to get everywhere. And, you know, like as a, as a guide, a lot of times I, uh, 
there's a finite amount of, uh, of times where you're going to get folks that really want to hang off the side of a cliff or, you know, uh, you know, wade thigh deep through beaver muck to get somewhere. Uh, but some of those places, if you're, if you're an angler that really wants to push your limits and you want to see something and fish something that other people don't, that opportunity absolutely exists in Minnesota. And there's big fish to, uh, you know, that are your reward when you get there, you know, and, uh, we've got the pictures to prove it. All right. I, I want to get to this. I have heard your name used in vain more than just about any other trout guide in Minnesota. I'll talk about that in a second, but first we need to thank some sponsors. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, and you are listening to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. My partner in crime today, Carl Hensel, one of the best trout anglers, conservationists, and guides you'll ever meet. All right. Up first, I want to thank Hewitt Docks. Hewitt Docks Lifts and Pontoon Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. Also, Thousand Hills Lifetime Gray's Beef. You know, I make a career talking about clean water, native habitat, and the best environmental practices around. That is exactly why I love working with Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. It is locally raised beef done differently. Let me explain. You see, Thousand Hills uses what is called regenerative agriculture to raise cattle. Those beef cows, they graze in fields of wild grasses, and they move between lots of different fields of grasses. It is a sustainable ecosystem free of synthetic fertilizers and chemical herbicides. It is a system of agriculture that promotes clean water, natural grasses, and yes, the byproduct, the best beef you've tasted. The Shirks, we love grilling and we love smoking, and now we do so with Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef. And yes, the Shirk boys look so forward to all those meals. Check out Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef to understand regenerative agricultural practices and fall in love with Thousand Hills. All right. My guest today is a bit of a guy we all look up to, Carl Hensel. I nickname you Mr. Trout because you are kind of trout all seasons of the year. And I mentioned it before the break. I have heard your name used in vain. Do you have any idea why? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'm sure there's plenty of reasons my name could be used in vain. <laughs> I, uh, I'll look forward to hearing this particular one. <laughs> well, especially this time of year. I have a lot of people who say, oh my gosh, I want Carl to be my guide. But he has no time. You literally book up. And people can't get more of your time. Why is that? 
Well, you know, it's, uh, I, I can only guide, you know, seven days a week if I'm willing. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that, that indeed is the, uh, the intrinsic challenge. You know, I'm very fortunate that I've, I've got a lot of people that are interested in uh, getting out and exploring the, you know, the water, you know, maybe people really, uh, you know, I, I like to look at a guided trip. Uh, that if I'm going to help people get out on the water, that I am going to work with each individual person to meet their goals of what they want to do. You know, if they want to explore harder and further and, you know, push out beyond, that's great. And if they want to get up at the crack of dawn and, you know, get on the water to, you know, to hit that early morning bite, we're going to do that. If they want to fish until the pitch darkness and, you know, be, you know, sitting in a canoe on the, you know, as, the sun goes down on the Brule River in Wisconsin and waiting for that hatch to come off. Yeah, I want to do all those things. And I, I guess, you know, like I get excited about this. I get excited about exposing people to our natural resources. And hopefully that, you know, that shows through. You know, the way that I look at this is whether we are getting people pumped for the expo to come and you know, explore all of the different opportunities that they can, you know, that they could do, places they could fish, gear they could buy, whether we are working with educational opportunities with schools, with Trout Unlimited and our Trout in the Classroom program, all sorts of aspects like that, or whether I'm getting people out on the water as a guide to help them get some cool fish. I look at all of those people as folks that can be potential strong advocates for our natural resources because that's what we need is that we need people that go out that interact with our resources that get out into the field and engage with it and then care about them and you know hopefully some of that you know shows through because if you have a great time fishing you're going to be a good advocate for a for the water and you're probably also going to want to come back and do another trip at some point in time right now march into april we hit our snow melt the rivers up by you start running and those darn steelhead show up and it's almost the fish like, of dreams. Yes. And that is what gets your schedule. So darn busy this time of year, if I'm not mistaken, right? You have to get through managing this sports show and then you have to race home and keep an eye on the weather and the rivers for that trickle. <laughs> absolutely the moment that this start you know this snow starts melting here you know i'm i'm looking across the north shore right here and we might have over 20 inches of snow sitting here at home but sometime in the next month it's gonna be pretty darn close to gone and we will be planning and analyzing all of our streams up and down looking at the snow melt looking at our water temperatures and trying to figure out when these steelhead are going to be nosing in they're you know they're waiting out there in the big lake right now and they are ready to come in and spawn here on the superior north shore and it is as much a rite of spring as anything up here uh, in the North Country and on the North Shore of Minnesota to have these fish come in. And you know, people just, it, it invades their dreams. People call me up and they say, I can't sleep. I've been thinking about the steelhead run. When are they going to be there? Tell me, what's the, what's the magic? What's going to happen this year? And you say you're going to hook into a fish and shit's going to hit the fan. <laughs> 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 because 
for those of us who covet, and I don't do it as much as I used to. Before I was married, we had a camp up there, and we would spend days and days and days. But hooking that fish, rock hopping in white water, and you know, it's it's the chaos and hell and wonderful moment that I think a lot of people dream that it might be. But the fish win a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. You know, it's steelhead fishing is fish hunting. That's what I tell people is that it is fish hunting. You're, you know, you're not guaranteed anything on any steelhead trip, whether it's by yourself with me or with anyone else, you know, but you're dreaming of that. You're dreaming of that fish. And I tell people at the beginning of every day, you have to believe. You have to believe that that fish is out there and that you're going to hook into one of the biggest fish that you could hook into one of the strongest fish a fish that can jump six feet clear in the air and they do and and if that happens and if you're so fortunate to hook up nothing at all is guaranteed because that's when everything explodes and you need to be prepared uh, you know people will freeze up they'll they'll have they'll hook oh, the yeah. fish and they'll go like oh i didn't think it was gonna happen <laughs> yep I can remember many years ago, um, and I'm going to call this guy out, Jacob Gibb, who at the time was a aspiring wildlife photographer. He loved fly rods, but he had never caught a steelhead. So we took him up steelheading. And uh, my partner in crime was another fairly well-known guy uh, by the name of Andy Roth. And we had a couple of fish we were on, and... For some reason, Jacob was just having a hard time connecting. And he finally throws this roll cast and he starts jerking on his rod. You, you know that action that breaks rods? We've seen it a hundred times over <laughs> where you're kind of double hauling because you're hooked on a rock and he's just going whack, 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 whack. Andy and I are kind of looking at each other like, is this really happening? And Jacob, meanwhile, is going whack, 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 whack. And finally, 10 seconds into this deal, he realizes he's not on a rock. He's actually hooked up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we all start giggling like little schoolgirls. And the fish makes a run and snaps Jacob off. And Andy says, yep, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> right, but I'm sure Jacob will have that memory for the rest of his life. He's got a lot of steelhead since then, but that just is kind of what the game is all about. And when you look around the rock walls, the northern pines, the snow dripping off that rock, it the smells, it is just one of the sweetest moments of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, we are so excited. This is the time of year where we are just itching for it. We are ready for it and ready to, you know, to watch those fish ascending, watch them trying to jump the waterfalls, you know, watch them finning in the back and the tail outs in the gravel as the water drops. There's so much to engage with and to see. And then to hope that that fish that you've uh, hooked up yeah, just like that story that you've told, there are numerous people every season that we have that I have to convince that they've hooked a fish. 
you know, we have this discussion. I'm like, oh, you've, you've hooked a fish there. And they're like, no, 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 this is rock. It's a snag. I'm like, nope, that's a fish. Just hold steady. Like, just don't do anything. Just watch, watch your line. That's going to be a fish. <laughs> uh, it happens every, every year. And it's kind of a fun thing. And then eventually, you know, those fish go on. We start to get into more of a summer pattern, chasing trout, chasing smallmouth. I've even chased walleyes up in your neck of the woods. But what you work on the sports show, you guide, but there's a conservation element to your life as well. Where, like, where does that come from? Where did that bubble up inside you? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, it's, uh, I, I've had the good fortune to be, uh, uh, to be uh, raised spending a lot of time, uh, on the water and on the woods with my father and which was had where? the opportunity. Uh, you know, I was raised North of the twin cities, uh, and, you know, and did a lot of a uh, lot of stuff in northern Anoka County, uh, which uh, might seem pretty flat and featureless uh, to folks, but it's uh, it uh, has some amazing natural resources. Uh, there's actually a, a spot up there called the Cedar Creek Natural History Area, and that is where the entire worldwide study of ecology, the interrelationship of all things natural, that's where that seminal work was done on the University of Minnesota's natural history uh, research area. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, to have some connections and get to spend time with the, uh, the scientists and the, uh, and the folks uh, up there as a child. And that really uh, engendered just a curiosity uh, to explore and engage uh, with our natural resources, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to uh, to do that. You know, my background is in uh, as in biology and stream ecology, and I've you know done research in uh, in those, and had the opportunity to manage aspects of a wide variety of natural resource situations. Uh, and it's just always always been a part of what uh, what I've had going on. But I, I started off working with Trout Unlimited. Uh, as a, and I was introduced to that uh, as a young child, and have been engaged with it for a long time. And you know, Trout Unlimited has fought a good fight for a lot of our cold water resources in Minnesota, and continues to do so, and continues to do a lot of uh, a lot of stand up work uh, doing habitat improvement, uh, both in northern Minnesota and in the Driftless and throughout the state. And it's some something that I'm still thoroughly engaged with. I serve as the uh, Northern Minnesota uh, Vice Chair for Trout Unlimited and trying to advocate for our natural resources, not only up here, but throughout the region. Do you remember the first trout you ever caught? Oh, absolutely vividly. <laughs> I, yeah, my, my father had, you know, at this point in time in our, our current uh, economy, we, we'd say he had a side gig. Uh, when I was a kid and my, uh, my father's side gig was that he, uh, he was really into antiques and red wing stoneware. Uh, so every once in a while, uh, we'd take a journey down to, uh, to red wing and, you know, he'd have antique things to do and I'd be a little kid along and I'd, you know, want to go fishing. And 
at some point in time, and I understand this is something that, you know, that, that you don't necessarily do anymore, but I, I convinced my father, I said, I said, dad, I'm old enough to have a watch. And what that means is that you can drop me off at a bridge on this trout stream and I can look at my watch and I can be back at that bridge when you tell me that I need to. That means I'm responsible. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and so he dropped me off at that bridge. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to trout fish. I never caught a trout before. Uh, you know, I, we'd done plenty and I'd, I'd failed, uh, plenty as a, as a child. And I think, you know, I, you know, I, I'd had my, my trials and tribulations. I was an experienced sunfish angler by that age. <laughs> and so I, I thought I knew what I was doing. So I, I walked up and down that stream and I did, you know, I tried all sorts of different things for the better part of two hours. And all of a sudden, I hooked up with a trout. And it was a, it was a brown trout. Uh, it was on Hay Creek, which is still a, a, a fine, fine trout stream that uh, Trout Limited and others have put a lot of high-quality habitat work in uh, near Red Wing. Yep. Uh, it's still worth visiting. Uh, but I, I hooked up on that, uh, that trout. And I was more excited than I could ever fathom. I, you know, I... I got that trout, I got it in the shallows and I, I got it all arranged so that the trout was going to be fine and it was going to be alive and in good shape uh, by the time my father got back. And so I ran up to the bridge when he pulled up and I said, dad, you got to come down. I've got a trout and I've got it here right in the stream. You've got to see it. <laughs> and, and that really, uh, that, that made it happen. Uh, for me. So it's, uh, you know, I, I didn't start trout fishing when I was, you know, three or four, you know, and I had to, I had to wait a little bit, but, uh, it was, yeah, still something that, uh, you know, that sticks with me. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people dropping their kids off at bridges randomly anymore, but, uh, it was, uh, it was a, such a, such a salient memory for me that it sticks with me. Maybe that's what's wrong with the world these days. Maybe we should be doing more of that. Just saying. Uh, I, I love the ability to be independent and explore the natural world. And from that moment forward to know that my dad could drop me off on a stream and, you know, whether that was, you know, we and we fished every trickle of water, every single trickle of water that occurred in the Wisconsin or the Minnesota side of the Driftless. I'd look at a map and my dad had had map books of the trout streams from the 1960s. Uh, and you know, he said, well, I don't know if it's still a trout stream now, but it said it was a trout stream in 1962. So let's go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he dropped me at one end and he'd go to a bridge at another end. We'd meet in the middle and, uh, we'd fish all day. And a lot of times we'd catch fish. Magical memories and they stick with you and they change you. And that's what creates that DNA, right? That's what gets it into your soul. And and while I was being a little bit facetious about your name in vain, the point is you're a popular guy. It's hard to get a trip with you. It it is hard to get a trip with me. You know, people who want to get on the water, you know, schedule out early. I am, you know, for steelhead season this spring, I am absolutely entirely booked. I do have a few guides that uh, that work for me that are experienced and well trained and uh, know the water. 
and we try to fish uh, ethically and appropriately, whether it be in Minnesota or Wisconsin, so that we're you know we're balancing out the pressure that uh, is added to a trout stream uh, with the ability to have people have a great experience on the water. So even though I'm uh, I'm booked up personally currently in the spring, I've got other folks that if uh, if people are really excited about getting them on the water, we can still get people on the water this spring and have the opportunity to get out and experience all of the stuff that we have going on. All right. We need to thank a couple of sponsors quickly, but when we come back, you don't know this yet, you're going to give away one of your very best fishing secrets. I can't wait. Carl Hensel is my guest today, and uh, you're listening to the Minnesota Mound Podcast. I'm Bill Shirk, the man about the woods, and these are the stories behind the stories. Um, We have a lot of sponsors who help us get the podcast going each week. And up first, we'd like to thank StarBank. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Also, a shout-out to Connecticut. Do you know Connecticut? Well, the Shirks sure do. We love Connecticut water. You know, we treat all of our water at home with our Connecticut Whole Home Water Treatment System. And we also use Connecticut's K5 drinking water system. You know that white buildup you get around faucets? We get none of that. Our dishes are clean. Katie loves what Connecticut water does for her hair and her skin. And the Shirk Boys, (laughs) they drink that K5 tap water all day long. In fact, they always fill their water bottles before they head out the door to head to hockey or to soccer. That tells you a lot. And you know that well water foul smell? completely gone. Call Connecticut like we did and look forward to clean, safe water. We also want to thank the Minnesota Propane Association. The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Carl Hensel is my guest today, and we are talking trouts in all forms and all seasons. And I've been joking around a little bit. Yes, you are a hard guy to get moments with because you're busy guiding, you're busy putting on the great waters, you're busy doing some of your conservation work, authoring. Uh, Rumor is you might know how to pick wild ferns here and there, but (laughs) there there have to be things that you have learned about fly rotting and trout fishing, which 
ring true. Sort of secrets of the trade. Um, we all have them. I mean, share one or two. Sure. You know, there's a lot of things that when you show up at a fly shop before you go fishing, you think, oh, it's this is about what I can buy for gear. And if I have the right gear, that's what's going to make it happen. And, you know, you need a good rod. You need a good reel. You need a set of waders. Um, and I always want everybody to support their local fly shop. That's really important. However, a lot of catching fish on the water is about observation. And it's about seeing what's going on. And one of the things that I took away from an, an old guy, uh, and this was many, many years ago, uh, there's a river that's east of the Twin Cities in Wisconsin called the Kinnikinnick. And it's uh, it's a longtime personal favorite of mine. They're now, wait actually, a second. Uh, I thought it was the Kinney Kinnick. <laughs> it is however you feel like it is. <laughs> How about Kinney? <laughs> I think we can agree on the Kinney. Oh, and that's funny. The Kinney has been a trout stream for a long time. And it's a, you know, it's a great piece of water. There actually, uh, there's a, an effort afoot to work on some of the dam removal on it right now, but it's been a, it's been a trout stream for a long time. And long ago when I was young, I met an angler, uh, he didn't have any children. And so he sort of took me under his, uh, his wing. Uh, he had been an expert angler on the Kinney in the 1930s and the 1940s and the 1950s. Wow. Uh, and he had he pulled out a picture from the St. Paul paper uh, and showed it, you know, him on the uh, on the on the front page uh, holding about a seven pound brown trout from from the Kinney uh, in uh, yeah, like 1940. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, an interesting thing. Uh, and what he what he led me to was really a lot more observation. He said, Carl. Don't rig up your fly rod every day at your car. Don't assume that you know what's going to do, what's going to happen. Take that, take that fly rod to the bank, sit down on the bank, and just take five minutes and rig that up and watch. And watch what's going on because you're going to see a fish that you didn't know that was there is going to rise. You're going to see a few insects flit across that you didn't know were hatching. You're going to be able to take in the ethos of what's going on on that stream. And it's not magic. It's not a secret. But it's something that you're not going to get if you just assume that you know what's going on every day and rig up at the car and put on your flies and get yourself to the water and start casting without observing. And so that was really, for me, an interesting take home. And it was something that, you know, as an angler, you know, and I've got two younger brothers and, you know, we could be competitive sometimes. So we, you know, we've been known to, you know, rig up everything in the car. And then uh, my, my one brother would set up, uh, set off at a dead run to the stream because he, you know, he knew that if he got on the hole fast, you know, it's a, he wanted, he wanted to get first crack at the hole. So, you know, learning some of that, it, it helped slow, you know, slow my experience down, but it also, you know, people would wonder, they'd be like, well, 
how did you know that you know the mayflies hatching today are this you know size 16 blue wing olive that we have right here and it's not necessarily that i you know knew it when i pulled up in the car it's about observation yeah another key thing that i learned my uh, over time and and these things are you know things that you pick up from other anglers and you know like if there's if there's one thing that I would say that uh, really helps us right now, especially as we have more people on the water, more people on the stream, is talk to other anglers. If you see someone, ask them how they're doing. Ask them which way they're headed on the stream, off stream or down. You know, fish in a cooperative manner uh, with everybody, and you're going to have a much better experience. And there was a time uh, long ago, uh, and you know, I I helped uh, helped out with a uh, a fly shop in the Twin Cities called Bentley's Outfitters back in the 1990s, which I, I guess seems a long time ago now to to everybody, but uh, it's a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump away in my memory. Um, and I, I ended up, uh, you know, taking a guy out that had come in and asked for a guided trip, and uh, taking a guy out on the stream, and he said, well. You know, I really only fish with two flies. So that's uh, that's what we're going to do on this particular guided trip. You got flies, and that's what we're going to use. Sounds like Merlin to me. <laughs> Merlin Magnuson was a, uh, a, was a, a, a stellar uh, individual and a, and a piece of work and a joy to be around. And Merlin was one person who ascribed to this particular philosophy. He fished one fly. It was called the Merlin. Yes, one fly <laughs> only. <laughs> and you know he was one of the people that taught me this type of uh of approach he said it's not about the fly it's about how you present it on the water and if you see what's going on and you see what these fish want and you can present that fly well you're going to catch fish if you have a fly that perfectly imitates the exact insect out here but you don't present it well and yeah. you don't fish it well not going to do anything which is and, funny because i'm a hack tire i am never happy with anything i tie but they all catch fish and that's about your presentation and making it happen on the water and about your observation so you know like there's all sorts of little tips secrets and things that you pick up over time and a knot that does that and uh you know and a, a reach cast that does that and a mend that you know, that angles your line over the water differently and how to cast with the curve. And there's all sorts of complexities. But ignoring the complexities and engaging with the resource and observing it are going to take you further, at certainly at least in the beginning, than almost anything else. I'd say that is wonderful advice. And as you said, it gives you a moment to just be and understand where you are and what you're surrounded by. I used to fish really fast. And Jim Shulin, one of my good friends, who's one of the darndest fly casters around, right? He was one who taught that patience. Walk up, stop, take a moment, stand back, watch. And it changes your fishing. In some ways, your success probably goes up, 
but it's not really about how many fish you catch, right? We're, we're not hitting a counter. We're trying to appreciate the moment and blend in and be and understand. And that understanding is what helps you connect. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Give me one highlight that people should be looking for at the Great Waters Expo, whether it is this year, next year, or something they've missed in the past. Wow. You know, uh, one thing that is a perennial highlight that if you haven't checked it out is that we have a live display of all the cool insects that you might want to (laughs) see. The things that the fish actually eat, we have them live there to check out. That's an awesome thing. You know, I could, you know, I could tell you all about the, you know, the dozens of presentations topic specific, the famous people coming out, uh, you know, all of the vendors with epic amounts of cool gear. Uh, but it really is the camaraderie of the experience. I mean, there's stuff that you shouldn't miss this year. You know, like we're going to have John Gearock, one of the top authors in the fly fishing world. And a lot of people's personal, uh, you know, favorite writer is going to be there this year. You know, we're going to have some shops like the Fly Angler from uh, up in Blaine is going to have more gear than we've ever had at any expo for them before. There's a lot of cool stuff that's going to be there this year. But, you know, show up and check it out. Explore and, you know, talk everything from, you know, from Alaska to Belize and learn about what's going on. Uh, So it's going to be cool. We're going to have a lot of great stuff, and uh, I think it's going to be an experience that everybody's going to be happy to be able to be back together this year at the Expo. Couldn't agree more. Looking forward to it. All right. If people want to track you down, where do they find you? Well, if uh, people want to catch me personally, you can head to our website for Namabini. That's the name of our uh, our business, which is N-A-M-E-B-I-N-I.com up here in between Duluth and Two Harbors, and you can learn all about uh, the guiding and all the stuff that we've got going on. You can always search out the expo at greatwatersflyexpo.com, and you can get your tickets, see program schedules, see all the different people who are going to be presenting, and check all that out uh, online there. Those are the easy things to uh, to check out. And if you want to engage with conservation opportunities uh, with Trout Unlimited and help out on the stream, Plus, learn where all the cool habitat and work is being installed. You can go to mntu.org and you can sign up, engage, and join a day. Or you can pay half price and join at the Expo this year and be a TU member. Love it. Appreciate it. Keep up the good fight. And hopefully I'll see you someday on the water. Absolutely. We'll have to get out and, uh, and hit the water. And the opportunity is there to hook another big steelhead this spring fun stuff. Carl Hensel, thank you so much for the time. There you go. Minnesota Bound, the stories behind the stories. Hey, we have a bunch of sponsors who uh, help us each week. I'd like to thank uh, Connecticut Water, presenter of the stories behind the stories. The Shirk family, we use Connecticut and you should too. Also, Hewitt Docks, Thousand Hills Lifetime Grazed Beef, Tasty Beef Raised the Right Way. Star Bank, the bank we use at Ron Shara Productions, 
and the Minnesota Propane Association. I'm Bill Shirk. We'll see you back here next week. In the meantime, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. (music) 